welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. I want to share a short message called Carried to the Table. And... Um, and we're going to end in communion. It's going to be pretty amazing. So in 2 Samuel chapter 5, David becomes king of Israel and Judah. He succeeds King Saul. Um, so King Saul was the first king of Israel, and he was appointed and anointed by God. But because everyone has a free will, he chose to, to, to fall away from, from God. Um, and and David, it was obvious that David was going to be the next king. He was anointed to be the next king. But David, because he understood honor and submission, he said, I'm not going to kill Saul. You know, God's going to have to work that out. I'm just going to continue to serve in, in the role that God has for me. And over time, Saul was killed in battle, and David became king. And then we pick up the story, 2 Samuel 9, verse 1. One day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive, anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. It's the mandate of every disciple, show God's kindness to the world. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He's crippled in both feet. Interesting that he didn't say what his name was because everyone knew that this person, he, he was crippled, he was broken. Um, he was one of those. So his identity was wrapped up in his brokenness. Where is he, the king asked, in Lodabar, which sounds like a Star Wars planet, I reckon, when I was reading it. Lodabar, Zeba told him, at the home of Maker, son of Emil. So David sent for him and brought him to Maker's home. His name was Mephibosheth. Now, the more you say that, the harder it gets. So I'm praying that I'm going to get it right through the whole, whole thing. Mephibosheth, he was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. So Jonathan was the son of Saul. Jonathan and David were best friends. So Mephibosheth grew up, he became a man in a town called Lodabar, which literally means nothing. Very interesting, names mean a lot in the Bible. He was broken and scared and helpless and depressed. He was down and out, no longer worthy to even say he was in a royal family because of the shame and because of the fear about that. Um, so he was broken and ashamed and it wasn't his fault. Um, the person that was carrying, they were running, fleeing from their lives, they dropped Mephibosheth. It wasn't his fault where he, where he ended up in life. Um, and he was just broken and forgotten and full of shame and just fearful. And it's interesting because words mean a lot, Mephibosheth, a lot of uh, Bible scholars translate Mephibosheth to literally mean out of the mouth of shame. He was sort of not a name meaning that you want to, want to have, really, is it? Out of the mouth of shame. So David sends a servant to... to to bring Mephibosheth in because he obviously can't walk. 2 Samuel 9, verse 6. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. And then verse 7, David says, Don't be afraid. Obviously, he could see Mephibosheth was terrified. Why was Mephibosheth scared? Because when you became a new king and you weren't in the family line of the previous king, what, you, what was the normal thing to do was just kill all the family line of the previous 
king. It would secure your place as the king, and it would ensure that no other descendants of the previous king would rise up um, thinking that their life's call was to take, it was to avenge the death of their grandfather or their father. So Mephibosheth would have been called to, to the king, and he would have known without any shadow of a doubt, David is going to kill me. So he was terrified, hence David says, don't be afraid. Uh, and then, it's, then he continues to say, I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table, not just be allowed to hang out in the, in the palace or the castle or in the same room, but actually at the, the very best table of honor right beside the king. You know, we go to weddings and you have the, the table of honor at the reception. It usually has the bride and groom and the bridal party. And sometimes the parents, I know in our one we want to honor our parents with that, but sometimes the parents are just right close and the family's very close. And maybe it's like the descending order of how much they value you, how far your table is away from the table of honor. I'm not too sure. Um, but Mephibosheth wasn't even given like the father's table away. He was right there with the king at the very best table of honor. Isn't that incredible in the culture of the day? Having a meal and inviting someone for a meal, it meant you valued them. They were honored and esteemed. And David the king was honoring someone who, who absolutely didn't deserve it at all. And verse 11, the second part of that, from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Point one, you are invited by the king of kings to feast at his table. Every single one of you guys right now, regardless of what you've done in life, no matter how broken and lost you are, the king of kings wants you to be right beside him feasting at his table. The king of kings has, has invited those who are broken, forgotten, rejected, abused, addicted, weighed down by shame, who feel that life has led them to a place of nothing to be carried to the table to eat with him. Isn't that incredible? 2 Samuel 9 verse 13, And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's Table. So obviously Mephibosheth still lived with challenges, but he was right with the king now. I, I absolutely believe his challenges paled in comparison with the grace and the mercy and the love and the joy uh, that he was living in right then, the incredible favor. So we can, you know, we're always going to have challenges, but how do we see ourselves and what do we focus on in life? Do we choose to focus on what's not going right, the, the disillusionment and the discouragement? Or do we challenge on the fact that the King of Kings has forgiven us, has provided wholeness for us, a new life that we can live with our head held high, that He loves us so much. He doesn't just want us in the same room, but in the very table right beside Him. Some of us are too afraid to come before the king because we are afraid and ashamed. So was Mephibosheth. You can be saved from your current state of despair to an eternal place of hope. Love that. It's the gospel. Second point, we are called to carry others to the king's feast. Just like King David in 2 Samuel 9 verse 5, he instructed his servant to go and to find Mephibosheth and to carry Mephibosheth 
to the king's table. We are all the king's servants now as sons and daughters of him. We are disciples. This is discipleship. Called to go and as we go in life, to define the broken, to find the ashamed, to find the people who, because of their situations, that they, they feel scared of the king. They feel that there's no way they can come in, in, into the feast table and, and literally to get our hands dirty and, to, if, if needed, to carry them. People that can't carry themselves. It's the cost of discipleship. In um, Luke 14, verse 15. A man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story. And if I can have the band up now, it would be great. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began to make excuses. One said, I've just brought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen. And I want them to try it out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Another said, Stranger Things season four has just dropped on Netflix. <laughs> you're laughing because you're convicted right now. No, just kidding. <laughs> the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor and crippled and blind and the lame, the Mephibosheths of life. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge everyone, anyone you find to come so that the house will be filled. For none of these, those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. So often we, we finish the story there and this is, a common pitfall for us as we, we study the Bible or we, we do devotionals, there's a, a paragraph. But all of the Bible is inspired by God, and I believe the, the order of things is absolutely inspired by God. We need to understand the context, the, the paragraphs before and after. So we've just heard this incredibly challenging um, story by Jesus saying that we are his servants and we are called to go out into the highways and byways of life and invite the broken and invite the lost and invite the addicted. So that's that. The very next paragraph, what does it say in verse 25? A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else, your father, your mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. And start of verse 28, but don't begin until you count the cost. This is discipleship. And it's messy and it's uncomfortable, and it's so easy to have the bystander effect of thinking, well, that person's a better evangelist than me, or this person's more, more gifted than me, and I'll just stick to the you know, discipling the, the nice, nice Christians that have gotten saved and are saved for 50 years. And that. No, this is a call for all of us. This is the call to discipleship. And are we, as disciples of Christ and as servants of the Most High, the King of Kings, are we going to say yes when the King asks us to go out into the brokenness and the nothingness of society and to invite those that are broken and full of shame so they know that the King of Kings loves them, that the King of Kings is kind, and we can invite them to journey with us to the King's table. Let's, uh, uh, let's stand up, please. It's like my shortest sermon in history today. And everyone said amen.
Number one, you are invited by the King of Kings to feast at his table. Number two, we are called to carry others to the King's feast. And number three, final point, the King continues to carry us. If you've given your life to Jesus, if you are a son and a daughter or a daughter of the Most High, Isaiah 46 verse 4 is an incredible promise for all of us. It says this, and this is from God, I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. Read it again. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. We're all invited to the King's table. We're all as disciples of Jesus called to carry others. And we understand that we're always being carried by God. And I love that. So, like I said, Mephibosheth's name was from the mouth of shame. So a lot of scholars believe that. But an equal amount, if not more, scholars also believe that. It's actually not the most accurate translation for Mephibosheth's name. Like, out of the mouth of shame actually isn't the real translation. They believe that the accurate or the more accurate translation for Mephibosheth is this. Instead of from the mouth of shame, it is one who destroys shame. Isn't that incredible? Now, Mephibosheth... Um, with his continued challenges, he could have still hold on to his identity. It's like, oh, I'm crippled, and I'm this, and I'm that, and my background, and I'm still ashamed. And he could still have still been at the king's table and had that baggage in his life. And you know, we can be a Christian for 20, 30, whatever years and still be carrying a whole lot of baggage from regrets that we have in life and from other things and still be weighed down by brokenness and shame. But we have a choice, and you have a choice. Do you want to be known by all that and still bring all that stuff up in your life? because Satan will always remind you of your failings. Or, like in Mephibosheth's case, instead of out of the mouth of shame, I absolutely believe that because of the goodness and the kindness of God, he says, yeah, that was my past, and I still have challenges, but now I'm going to be someone who destroys shame, because I know the King of Kings intimately, and I've gone to Him with my life and with my brokenness, and He's shown infinite goodness and kindness to me. I'm no longer a person who is broken or full of shame. I am free. I have destroyed shame. So we are all called to bring that message to this world. We are all called to be destroyers of shame. It all begins with understanding that God wants to know you. He wants us to give us Him all of our baggage and say, Jesus, here I am. You've invited me to come. and I don't deserve it, but I'm here. And you may be here this morning and you may have never given your life to Jesus. That's the most important decision you'll ever make. It's a free invitation. All you need to do is to come and say, God, I'm going to make you my Lord and my King. Some of you here still probably struggling with addictions and struggles and you feel that shame in your life. Jesus still loves you. You can come and make a fresh start this morning. And instead of someone who is weighed down by shame, you can be someone who starts to destroy shame. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.com.